Here to dive into industry trends with leading ETF experts, this is ETF Spotlight with Nina Mishra. Hello and welcome to ETF Spotlight. I'm your host, Nina Mishra. My guest today is Zach's stock strategist and the editor of Zach's Blockchain Innovators newsletter, Dave Bartosiak. We're talking about uh, Bitcoin and uh, crypto-related ETFs today. Dave, welcome back. Great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, uh, Bitcoin had plunged about 65% last year. And as uh, cryptocurrencies crashed, crypto-related companies, including lenders, miners, they just cratered. It was kind of the perfect storm for the crypto world because investors were dumping risky assets. Uh, that was mainly because of the change in macroeconomic environment. And then there were too many liquidity issues, bankruptcies, fraud allegations, lawsuits, and finally FTX implosion. So in fact, one of the Bitcoin miners ETF, ticker symbol RICS, it was the Verindi Bitcoin miners ETF. This was down 87% last year, and it was the worst performing equity ETF, worst performing ETF, in fact. And this ETF liquidated at the big beginning of this year. Now, cryptos have rebounded strongly. Many cryptocurrencies are trading at the highest levels in months. And if I look at the list of best performing ETFs year to date, the top 20 are crypto related ETFs. So tell us what is going on. Is the crypto winter over? Is the worst over for the industry? I believe in the short run, um, evidence suggests that the crypto winter is over. If you're referring to basically just a, you know, a period of time where the whole overall value of cryptocurrencies just kind of plummets. Um, and we, we love to pick on crypto, uh, but what I kind of look at it as, um, you know, just a very volatile, very high beta um, asset class. So the way I the way I look at it is if you look at, you know, just in our stock market, right? You got the mega caps of the Dow, then you get a little riskier and you go to like the NASDAQ composite, right? Because tech stocks are whip around a little bit more. They get a little bit riskier and you go to the small caps of the world. Uh, then you get, you know, keep on going down that risk ladder and eventually somewhere, you know, you end up hitting this crypto, which goes to your point of, well, last year, you know, just terrible performance out of the crypto mining stocks. And then now this year is a huge boost to, to all these names as cryptocurrency prices themselves have begun to rebound. So it didn't come as a shock to me um, during a year where the market got beat up and tech stocks took a tumble that something a little further out on the risk ladder with, with more volatility um, was beat down as much as it is. Now, there have been several times. Um, ju just look up, you know, do a quick little Google search on articles proclaiming the death of cryptocurrency and the end of Bitcoin. And you'll see this cycle continue again and again and again. And you see all these huge, enormous drawdowns, which, you know, people are constantly pointing to as a reason why it's, you know, not going to survive as an asset class. And inevitably, you know, you wait long enough and uh, they're always wrong. 
So crypto ends up finding a way to come back, not in its previous form or the way it was before, but you know, maybe it evolves a little bit. So I, I think to say that, you know, the, the crypto is going to go away um, is a little bit nearsighted. I think it, it's it's going to be here and it's here to stay. It'll just sort of change. So is this version of our crypto winter officially over? Um, you know, it's certainly looking like springtime, especially if you look at some of the crypto prices right now. There's been a, a decent a decent rebound, um, you know, across the board. So, I mean, even I'm looking at Bitcoin this month is up, I think, 30, I'm looking at 38% over the course of the last month. Um, so that's that's a pretty significant move, you know, to the upside. But then again, when you're talking about something that was trading over $60,000 towards the end of 2021, and now we're we're just under 23000 um, you know, it sure feels like it's a, it's a long way away. But I could I could pull up a few individual tech stocks with uh, with the same story. Um, just to, to put it in perspective. Right. Uh, you mentioned uh, these uh, cycles and cryptocurrencies, uh, boom and bust cycles, and cryptos always finding a way to come back. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the damage caused by FTX implosion uh, because FTX had not happened earlier. So this was one of the largest cryptocurrencies exchanges uh, called one of the safest then and sbf was like crypto's golden boy he had bailed out uh, several struggling firms earlier uh, before his own firm imploded and uh, binance's chief executive cz who was one time rival he said that ftx's implosion would set the industry back by years so there has been a lot of reputational damage so what do you think about long term damage caused to crypto industry by ftx's implosion i think ftx showed us one well a few a few things the the first was it was ftx was wall street and institutional money's attempt to take crypto and jam it into their existing mold of how they understand things should work. So by doing so, they created a flaw in the system itself. The entire point of cryptocurrency is decentralization. So to create this huge exchange where now you're going to try to centralize all this crypto activity spits directly in the face of what cryptocurrencies are supposed to be. You're not supposed to have a trusted third party intermediary that's holding all your funds that's facilitating these transactions for you. So that's why I think the FTX implosion is actually a great thing for true crypto in the long run. And it's probably a good thing for Wall Street to get punched square in their face too, so that they understand that this is not the type of beast that you're going to be able to tame and drain of its powers for your own personal rent-seeking profit, profit-taking. It's bigger than that. So as, much, as terrible as it is to see FTX go down, and as bad as it is for people to lose money in it, I think over the long run, it's a good thing because it's going to change the way that people invest in cryptocurrency. It's going to change the way they trade cryptocurrency. And 
and hopefully it's going to change the way that they store their cryptocurrencies so that they don't have this risk because that's the whole entire point of this distributed decentralized ledger technology you're not supposed to just trust sbf that he's going to put it all together and, and, and nothing's going to implode on you that's the, the entire point so ftx was was sort of this you know this golden child that they created so that they could come in and start regulating stuff so that they could profit from it so they can they can use their old way of thinking on this new technology and you just you simply can't do it it can't be contained it's like it's like having it's like having a gas powered car right and you've been running around your gas powered car all along and now the electric car is out right and then you guys decided that no i'm going to pour gas in the electric car i'm just going to put it in the trunk because there's no gas tank because it doesn't need gas. It just doesn't make sense. You're trying to jam an old technology in a new technology, and, and the result is the explosion that you had with FTX. Right, so hopefully we will see flushing out of many of these excesses and we will get a leaner, healthier, and a better regulated crypto industry. Now, I mentioned that top, the best performing ETFs this year are crypto-related ETFs. And the ETF which is at the top of the leaderboard is a small Bitcoin miners ETF. It is by Valkyrie and uh, the ticker symbol is WGMI. This is up almost 100% year to date. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Bitcoin mining and um, in fact some of these uh, top holdings in the CTF like Bitforms is up about 150% this year. Argo blockchain is up about 120%. So I don't think uh, many of our listeners, and in fact, even I do not you know, understand completely what exactly Bitcoin miners do. What I read is that probably they they try to solve some kind of complex uh, mathematical problems and then they are rewarded with Bitcoin for their efforts. So could you explain in layman terms how exactly Bitcoin mining works? Uh, what, what kind of profit margins are there for this industry? What kind of break-even points are these miners profitable when Bitcoin is over 20,000 or 30,000 or it differs from company to company? Yeah, so um, first, you know, Bitcoin mining, it's it's almost a little bit of a misnomer, right? Because there's, you know, you're not digging in the ground anywhere, right? Um, <laughs> we're not doing any any actual physical work, right? It's all kind of this work in the digital realm. So essentially, what happens is when you are a Bitcoin miner, as these transactions are happening on the blockchain, there need there's a verification process that has to take place just to make sure it's going from point A to point B, and then everybody knows it's going from point A to point B. So as the network becomes larger and larger, as more and more transactions have happened, naturally it's it's there's more there's more calculating that has to be done to make sure that everybody knows where everything went. Okay, so the the mining operation is really there as more of a verification process. So they're the ones that verify. Okay, yes, it did go from point A to point B. Everybody knows, and then they get you know a small amount of juice for for their efforts. Right. So essentially, that's what it is. Is, is Mining is the verification process. So that's the cool part, because then you know the network 
verifies itself through these miners, which then get their little rewards too. So it, it sort of works for everybody. They're, they're all kind of invested in this network for it to work as quickly as possible and as seamlessly as possible. Uh, now, the, the issues arise when you're looking at profitability of these Bitcoin miners, because there's a few moving parts. So the main input on your Bitcoin mining operation is going to be power, because you, you have to power these Bitcoin mining rigs. So that's a variable that over the course of the last year really spiked up, right? Uh, I'm sure we've all seen our electric electricity prices hike up, you know, while we're at home, along with inflation that we've seen across, you know, across the U.S. across the world. So there's there's one part. Then you have the price of whatever underlying crypto you're mining. So in this case, let's say Bitcoin, right? Well, we all know that Bitcoin tumbled pretty dramatically last year. So now you have sort of a perfect storm for these Bitcoin miners where. Not only did the cost of their mining shoot up, but also their rewards are, are going down, right? Because they're not getting as many Bitcoin while this is happening. So, so that's bad when you're talking about the stock's price and, and what their earnings are going to be and what their growth is going to be, which is why you saw those Bitcoin miners really get beat up last year. Um, now, now, here's the good news for these Bitcoin miners, which people fail to take into account. The price of the crypto mining hardware drops along with Bitcoin's price, okay? Because it's less profitable, so then it's less money that people want to pay for it. There you go. But when that price drops, smart Bitcoin miners can then go ahead and load the boat on that hardware. And then when Bitcoin starts to recover, they're going to make that much more money, okay? So that is sort of what's happening now. You got a little bit of a recovery in the price. And now these people, a lot of these miners bought hardware cheaper and now they have a larger ability. You'll, you'll see it in terms of hash rates that you're going to, if you ever dig into these um, presentations from some of the Bitcoin miners, they'll, they'll tell you what their hash rate is, which gives you an idea of their overall mining or computing power is essentially what it is. So a lot of these have expanded their, their hash rates here over the course of last year while Bitcoin prices were low. Um, also, a ton of them tried to hold on to their Bitcoin holdings, you know, so that when it bounces back, they can, they can sell a little bit higher. Um, so it just it, it really varies greatly from company to company exactly how they manage their cash flow and their investment in the equipment that they're going to have, um, which also changes dramatically what their break even is on on bitcoin so it's tough to say yes all the miners are going to be profitable at twenty thousand because you don't know what energy they're using okay so there's some outfits out there that you know hook up to the regular electric grid like everybody else and use that to power their mining there there's become more sophisticated outlets out there that have now are using renewable energy in order to power their bitcoin mines so there's People with solar power. There's, um, there's, there's an outfit um, that I visited once in New Orleans that was taking the nat gas coming off of an oil well and using that nat gas to power a turbine, which powered generators, which was for the for the Bitcoin farm, um, their mining farm there basically, the mining operation. So. Um, you know, they're going to be less susceptible to energy prices than some of the other companies that are out there, right? So uh, 
it it depends on where you're getting your energy, um, what your break even is, is going to be, and um, you know how long ago you bought your your hardware. But but for the most part, when you're you know when you're evaluating those companies as individual companies, it's it's hard to do. It's hard to know which one of those is really going to be the winner. And there's a lot of correlation within that industry, which is why I think using an ETF is probably one of the smartest ways that you can invest in that space because you get to spread across your risk um, across these multiple miners that will have multiple different types of energy that they're using, uh, multiple different break even points. But overall, if the industry does well, you know, the ETF obviously is going to rock and roll. Right. I totally agree with you. ETFs are the best ways to invest in an industry which is very volatile and very risky too. But thanks for the great explanation and definitely a very interesting area. Uh, so I wanted to talk about the blockchain technology too, uh, because many crypto skeptics they also believe in the potential for blockchain technology. This could be a life-changing technology. Uh, people like JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon, who said recently, just last week, that Bitcoin is a fraud. It's a hyped-up fraud, but and cryptocurrencies are a waste of time. But blockchain is a deployable technology. So could you explain blockchain technology also in layman terms? And yeah. uh, and also real world applications, uh, is it being used anywhere currently? Sure, so uh, you'll hear the term distributed ledger a lot when you're talking about blockchain. So um, I guess to draw a metaphor, let's say there's, there's five of us in a room and everybody's got a dollar and everybody's got a, got a piece of paper. And then I decide to pay I'll give you a dollar, Nina. You get my dollar. And then what happens when that dollar moves, everybody writes down on their sheet of paper, okay, dollar moved from Dave to Nina, right? And all at the same time, everybody gets that update, dollar moved from Dave to Nina. Now compare that to the bank. So a situation with the bank, instead of giving you a dollar, I write you a check, you take that check, you bring it to your bank. Your bank says, okay, one dollar moves from Dave to Nina, and and they're the only one that really keeps a record of of where my dollars go and where your dollars go. So by distributing that blockchain, that ledger rather, across multiple people, you can see how it would be hard to constitute a fraud. If I gave you a dollar, and then everybody wrote down that there was a dollar sent, and then I went, no, I didn't send you, a, I didn't send Nina a dollar. Uh, they're going to be like, no, that's actually not true at all. Uh, here we have the distributed ledger saying that you did, in fact, send that dollar. So it, it's a way that everybody can sort of be on the same page that adds a layer of transparency to these transactions. So now let's not even think just in, in money terms. Let's uh, let's zoom this out to, uh, you know, shipping, right? So I just ordered a cool hoodie for uh, for somebody that I got on uh, on a Facebook ad, right? And the hoodie came from China, and it's it's shipping from the China Post. So it's going to go from whatever local place, then it's going to go to the China Post, then it's going to get sent to the U.S. So the tracking that I got 
from the site gives me, you know, three days ago it cleared the China Post. But now I have no idea what happened in the U.S. I would have to go to the U.S. Postal Service, find a different tracking number, and try to see what's going on over there. Um, if you have, this was blockchain-based, all along the way, I would know where it is, the company would know where it is, China would know where it is, the U.S. would know where it is, everybody would know where it is, and it would be verified all along the way. So you can see how tracking, I mean, and that's just a, a hoodie, right? But what if you were, I mean, think of like, you know, the even like, um, you know, ESG type things, right? How, how do you know that the diamond in the necklace that you buy isn't isn't a blood diamond from Rwanda, right? Or how do you know that the uh, the lithium that's in your phone wasn't made by artisanal miners, you know, in uh, in Africa somewhere in a super dangerous situation, right? We we can have these tracking in place where it says, oh no, this came from this factory, which we already know everybody's. That's a great factory. We got eyeballs on it. You know, everything's safe there. Okay, great. And then it went through the local port. And then it went to the US. And then it went through customs there. You see what I'm saying? And then it and then it gets to the, the store. And then they can say, hey, this is where it came from. Boom. And everybody has this distributed ledger on this piece. So every everybody knows. So these are just a couple of use cases that you could see, you know, you can kind of extrapolate from there. Anytime you really want to verify something from point A to point B, you can use blockchain. Think about buying a house. We all have to pay title insurance on a house. Why is that? Why are we why are we making these title companies rich? Well, they're the ones who are making sure that there's, you know, there's no liens on it, everything's fine. It did in fact pass from one person to the next person. This person actually has it and and, and that kind of thing. That could all be done away with with blockchain. Um, you could have this ledger where everybody knows. Who's got what and when had what and had the whole entire you know history of it um, by using that. So there's a ton of cases like that where the actual technology of blockchain can be used. Obviously in finance it can be used too, right? Like in the example I was giving with you know the check going from point A to point B, it would be great for you know uh, intermediaries and stuff like that that exist now. So so let's say you know let's say I wanted to buy a thousand shirts from China. Right now I have to go to my bank. I have to, they'll go ahead and send it. I have to hope that they sent it. And then the money kind of goes somewhere and I got still gotta trust somebody else. You know, maybe I bought it from Alibaba and I gotta trust Alibaba that they're gonna they're gonna give the money to the person after the stuff arrives and it gets all get verified. It's all this, you know, intermediary, trusted third party intermediary stuff. You know, you it could exist where this is verified all along the way. It finally gets here. Boom, when it gets here, automatically my payment gets distributed to the uh, to the manufacturer that that sent it to me originally and that can be programmed into the blockchain through the use of smart contracts like they have on the ethereum chain so that, that's where we're starting to get a little bit more complicated right but the point is just think of anything that you could track and if everybody was tracking it all at the same time in a very cheap and effective manner you know how would that how would that make the world look Great, uh, it's definitely a very powerful technology and uh, with a lot of potential, long-term potential for sure. Now let's talk about uh, your favorite 
crypto related areas and stocks as well. So for investors who are interested in digital currencies or digital assets, uh, they, there are various ways they can get exposure to these areas. They can buy Bitcoin or Ether or other cryptocurrencies directly. They can buy Bitcoin futures ETFs. Uh, they are blockchain ETFs. There are crypto lenders, miners, and related ETFs. So talk to us about your favorite areas and also some stocks that you like. Yeah, I think uh, looking at these miners is not a bad idea. You have to be very patient, have a long-term time frame with them, and realize that you know when crypto prices are down, these things are going to be down. And they're going to have incredible cash flow on most of them. They're going to have, you know, um, financial ratios that don't even make sense because because a couple of these you're going to stare at them and they're going to have growth numbers that are just eye popping and then they're going to trade at you know two times earnings or something like that and you're just going to scratch your head and wonder you know what is going on over here so kind of like like i said before buying into the individual mining name i don't think it's something that makes a ton of sense um if, if you're buying a bunch of them that's fine but I think for, for your average investor that wants to gain exposure to this, this industry, looking at an ETF like the ones you mentioned before is probably the smartest way to go. Okay, And that's going to give you the most direct um, up and down volatility with the crypto space that, that you can find in individual stocks. They're going to be they're going to go nuts when the market when the crypto market goes up. They're also going to be terrifying. When the crypto market goes down. Uh, that being said, sort of the, the the softer way to get in, and I think one that might be more um, sort of time sensitive right now, is on the hardware side. In in blockchain innovators, which is the portfolio that you know one of the portfolios I run here, the the hardware has really been where a lot of our big winners have been, um, because. You know who got rich during the gold rush in California? It was the people who sold the picks and axes to the miners. So you can think of a lot of these hardware companies as the ones selling the picks and the axes to these uh, to these mining outfits that are out there. So that's why you saw you know Nvidia is obviously a big name in the space, uh, AMD, but both of those stocks have seen their earnings estimates kind of creep down, creep down a little bit. Uh, another one that that I have in the portfolio that we've had some pretty good success with is Camtech, ticker CAMT. Um, that's a little bit more on on sort of the menu the manufacturing end, like helping the manufacturers. Um, it's technically it's uh, they do automatic optical inspection systems. So if that if that makes your eyes cross over, it should because um, <laughs> it is. Uh, it is sort of high on the nerd scale. All you need to know is that it sort of helps. That's a company that helps in the manufacturing process along the way. So you're helping the guys that build those picks and axes along the way. So, and then in terms of, uh, you know, there's a lot of payment, sort of payment, uh, payment related names that are out there. If you want to get a little bit more exposure to those, one, one that I've also utilized in portfolios, International Money Express, that ticker is IMXI. Uh, it's a smaller company, you know, uh, 880 million market cap. Again, it's trading 11 earnings, 11 times earnings. So you, you get these stocks that 
uh, have have decent growth, but the market is telling you that it's suspicious of the numbers, right? It doesn't really believe that you're gonna get the growth. So on, on IMXI, for example, we're looking at 19% EPS growth this year and 20% next year. And that's on revenue growth of 19% this year and 23% next year. So the growth is there. You would expect to pay a little bit more than 11 times earnings for a stock like that. Um, I think it's showing the skepticism of the market with not only that technology, but those you know, really tech stocks in general. So I, th I think that's where you wanna go if you wanna have some success uh, within the crypto space right now. Um, if you if you get too if you get too direct if you, we we've done some cloud security based names and stuff like that we've utilized blockchain uh, also we've had a little bit of success with that um, and there there's also some that do sort of specific blockchain software that they make but um, a lot of those companies are are really really small and just sort of figuring figuring things out so. What I like to do is, as I go on the SEC site and on, on the Edgar tool, and, and I'll run a search for blockchain and just see what companies are coming up, and then I'll keep those companies on my radar. And uh, I, I'm constantly throwing names in and out because inevitably these companies are around for six months and then they're gone. So uh, the cream's going to rise to the top, and, and I think being patient and waiting is sort of your best bet when you're in a really high-risk space like this. So when I mentioned there are several ways of getting exposure to digital currencies and related equities, I should have added another great way of getting exposure is subscribing to your newsletter, right? The Blockchain Innovators newsletter, and I'm looking at the portfolio right now. You have some very big winners over there. AMD, which you have held for quite a quite some time, up 360%. NVIDIA up 345%. And Camtech, which you talked about, that is up more than 275% in the portfolio. Great stuff. Dave, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your insights. Thanks for having me. So that was Dave Bartosiak. Let's talk about some ETFs that you could use if you want to get exposure to, the, to this area. But remember, this is a very volatile and very risky area. So please limit your exposure according to your risk tolerance. If you want to invest in Bitcoin, we know that there is no spot Bitcoin ETF. And the best way to invest in Bitcoin through ETFs is using these Bitcoin futures ETFs. Uh, the ProShares Bitcoin Strategy ETF, ticker symbol BITO, this had a very successful launch in October of 2021. Uh, this now has uh, over 700 million in assets and uh, has a performance record of more than a year. And this has, in fact, tracked Bitcoin spot prices very, very closely, though we were earlier worried about the impact of Contango. Proshis also has a short uh, Bitcoin ETF using, uh, if you want to short Bitcoin using futures, it is the Proshis short Bitcoin strategy ETF. Ticker symbol is BTBITI. Uh, now, we have had brochures on the show to talk about Bitto and Bitty, so you can listen to those episodes if you want to learn more about these ETFs. Now, if you want to invest in crypto equity ETFs, 
the largest ETF in the space is by Amplify. This is also the oldest. The ticker symbol is Block. Uh, this is up about 20% year to date, but it was beaten down last year. Charges an expense ratio of 71 basis points and has about 426 million in assets. The cheapest ETF in this space is by Fidelity. It is the Fidelity Crypto Industry and Digital Payments ETF. Uh, we talked about the one by Valkyrie. Oh, uh, just wanted to add that the Fidelity ETF FDIC charges uh, 39 basis points expense ratio. Now, we had mentioned the ETF by Valkyrie, which is up more than 100% year to date and was beaten down last year. This is Valkyrie Bitcoin Miners ETF, ticker symbol WGMI. This is very small, less than 4 million in assets. So this is something which you should use very carefully because when ETFs are this small, the, the liquidation risk remains very high. And uh, let's quickly recap stocks that Dave mentioned. Uh, he talked about hardware stocks and the ones that are in his portfolio are AMD, ticker symbol AMD, NVIDIA, ticker symbol NVDA, Camtech, the ticker symbol is CAMT. He talked about a payment stock IMXI. It is the International Money Express. Uh, these he mentioned are safer ways of getting exposure to these areas. Thanks for listening. If you like our show, please leave us a rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And also make sure to subscribe so that you do not miss any episode. If you have any comments, questions or suggestions, please email podcast at sax.com. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identify and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.